Welcome to the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. I am John, sitting here in my nice warm home in America. Welcome to spring, Andy. I can only ask you this, my Canadian friend. Do you want to build a snowman? I could. I have, <laughs> I have the right kind of snow, too. I might not have superpowers like Elsa, which are kind of oddly defined in that she has ice powers and also the ability to give life. I'm not sure. But, yeah. Middle of April, Easter Bunny coming in a couple days, and snow. I'm just so happy I could work in a Frozen reference for like the third week in a row for our podcast. We we know our listeners. We know what they like. We're 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 two uh, men in we'll say thirties, and yeah, we're we're totally down with Frozen. Yeah, uh, but let's let's talk about the real reason we have this podcast. If we have to, yeah, I guess if we have to get around to that, Survivor was really good this week. It's been really good this season, and I think it's because we have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I think we prove every week that we don't know what's going on. But I, you know what? I'll defend us and say I think that's a good thing. If you're tuning in every week and all our predictions were right, it would probably be a very boring season. Yeah, I bet when we were you know, podcasting in the alternate dimension of Redemption Island, we were just nailing that thing. That's not necessarily positive, but... Yeah, it's been a season of just things happening that don't happen, and we look a little foolish, um, some of us more than others, but I'm, I'm happy for it. Let's do it. Well, let's talk about the reason why things happen that we don't expect. It's Tony. Tony is the reason why. Tony, Tony, Tony has done it again. So let's, I think this is going to take up a lot of discussion time, so let's just start off with Tony's move here. His move to flip on LJ, which the previews, to their credit, did not give away. They totally sold us on the idea that he might be flipping on Wu. No indication that it would be LJ. But we did get the line at LJ saying, I feel comfortable, which is just the death knell for any mm-hmm. Survivor player. Yeah, it's not quite, you know, I have the power in this game now because I'm the swing. Like, that's worse. And it's the sort of thing that I'm sure everybody says. And it's just like the editors, ha ha, gotcha. Yeah, they probably said that on day three or something like that, and the editors just stored that one away. Like, we're going to need that later on. Yeah, we'll have to track LJ's beard. We'll, we'll do that in the sun and wherever. Sure. But, yeah, Tony, doing it again. So question number one, was this the right time to do that? Because this is where all the debate's coming in. Yeah, so for all these questions, I'm going to be like, eh, maybe. And it's going to sound like I'm really dithering, but, but I think that's the answer, is that... For one, I've obviously, you know, been really wrong about Tony, and I think I've backtracked enough on that, in that I'm almost in the position where I'm done questioning the guy until proven otherwise. Like, it's, things seem to be working out. But, I mean, it's what we do here. Was this the ideal time to do it? No. I would prefer one more week. Uh, that way it breaks up the power that the opposing three would have. But at the same time, I think he also would have preferred to wait one more week, but opportunity presented itself, and the other possibility didn't. Like, I think if Tasha didn't win immunity this week, then I think Tony would have had an easy time putting it off. He convinces his tribe to vote out Tasha, he still has his new potential allies of Spencer and Jeremiah in play, and it can wait. But that no longer had to happen, and what's happened a lot in the past is everybody waits just a little too long to take out that other power player. You know, Jervis kept thinking that he would have a chance to take out uh, Tyson until he realized, no, I don't. Probably everybody on Redemption Island, well, maybe not everybody, but several people on Redemption Island is like, oh, we can get rid of Rob once we get rid of everybody on the other side, and then it was too late. So 
This might not have been ideal, but I don't think it was that far off. You know, pre-merge, we were like, what's Tony doing? Why is he getting rid of Cliff when he should get rid of LJ, who's the big threat? It turns out he had another opportunity to get rid of LJ, and it worked out. Well, Tony's logic was that you want to be the one that throws the first punch, so you're not the one getting hit, which is good logic. And I think you kind of hit on something that sort of sells his reasoning here. He clearly has a tighter bond with Spencer and Jeremiah than he does with Tasha. So if he waits until next week, he's potentially looking at a 4-4 split. Because I don't know who he gets other than Wu and the two remaining people, whether it be Tasha and Spencer or Tasha and Jeremiah. And that's not going to be enough. Trish really seemed to drag her feet about flipping on LJ. I don't know that she would have gone with him next week. Yeah, I think Trish was married to the idea of waiting. And that's fine. We'll discuss that a bit more. Um, I think Trish had that luxury. But I think Tony did have to make a move sooner than later. I would say, yes, this is a little sooner, but I don't think it will necessarily hurt him. It just, you know, plans got bumped up a week. Right. So here's my defense for him. Next week, like I said, you could end up 4-4 tie, and that's a bad idea. So there's risk in waiting for next time. At 7 left, he could potentially have himself... Wu, Trish, and then the lone remaining from the other alliance. But that assumes that that lone remaining person doesn't want to go to LJ's side or doesn't win immunity, and then the tribe infighting begins anyway. So really, if he's going to blindside LJ, it almost has to be here. Yeah, like I think, as I say, one more week would have been okay. But, you know, sometimes that one more week is the week that that person wins immunity, too. Um, LJ was vulnerable tonight. More incredibly vulnerable than we thought he could be. Like, he had no clue this was happening. In fact, even if there was pointed questions, so, do you think Tony's going to flip? No, no, we're good. Uh So, it worked out. And here's the other thing, where I think Tony's primary motivation, at least to start the adventure, was. He was probably starting to worry that some kind of idle shenanigan could give, give him the boot, because he was taking all the heat. So, even if all this move to just get the heat on LJ wasn't about eliminating him right now. I think another motivation for Tony is I'm tired of seeing my name on those those slips of paper because sometimes it only takes three votes to get rid of somebody. Yeah, that Tony did have a Rupert-esque freak out to having his name on those tribal council's votes, though. Yeah, no, I mean, it's back-to-back weeks now. Somebody comes back from tribal council and makes the social faux pas of being really angry about it. Last week it was Spencer, this week it's Tony. Why we always see it like that is the producers don't let them talk from tribal council to the beach. They have to basically shut up till they get there. So it is the first opportunity. But at the same time, if you have that time to cool down, you should know not to say anything. Because I don't think that helped his cause at all. He was able to work past it, in part because he was fortuitous enough to win a reward with two people that were more receptive to talking to him about it. But also in part because this seems to be what Tony's good at. He's good at tricking people. Other than about his career, which is just a baffling lie to keep going. Although I did see a comment that I loved that said that he's just working his way through every career in the village people. So (laughs) So next week he might be an Indian chief. Yeah, the construction worker thing, which led to a great moment from Sarah, who's, you know, now our new jury queen, where she's just like, what? I will not tolerate this insurrection against Eliza, the one true jury queen. It's the Game of Thrones for the survivor jury queen. 
Um, I think where he's going with that is he doesn't want Spencer and Jeremiah to know he's a cop uh, operating under his previous thinking that people are frightened of that. Now, I think we still believe that's dumb. But if that's what he believes, then I can understand why he'd want to carry it forward. I mean, all the other people knew that that's not true, but they also knew that he was lying about it. So him continuing to lie about it probably won't throw them for a loop. It's just kind of like, ah, Tony being Tony. Yeah, it just seems odd. The risk-reward thing, what's the reward at this point when there's so Mm -hmm. many people who already know the actual truth? I guess the only thing is if he's already told Spencer and Jeremiah that he's a construction worker, then he has to continue to lie when Jeff puts it to him like that. But the bigger thing is there's no point to lie anymore. The only person that, like, they didn't know what he did before, so, and now it was the merge time. Like, nobody cares. He also, at Tribal Council, since we're we're just going deep into Tony's game tonight, he holds up his bag and says he has something in his bag of tricks. That's not a terrible play, because I'm sure he's been going out and looking for the idol that Spencer's already found every day, so... And the idol that nobody's found that he doesn't know that there's two of, yes. That's right, the Tyler Perry idol that we'll talk about later. That we may, may never see, which would be fantastic. <laughs> the invisible Medea idol. So he holds up his bag of tricks, as he says, and tries to potentially steer some votes that could be coming towards him away. He doesn't realize this, but there's no votes headed his way anyway. Not a bad play, but just like every week with Tony, I feel like there's some stuff that you're like, eh, that's not a bad move, and then some things that you say, ooh, that's a terrible move, and then it's just the next scene is, wow, great play, Tony. He's all over the map in every single episode. Yeah, and it is a good move, and it's just indicative. Uh, the reward challenge is another thing that we are going to talk about a little later, but he's always looking for an edge. He's already always thinking of how is this moment in time going to benefit me, or how can I change it to benefit me? And early in the season, and even still now, like it tweaked our radar, because nobody plays like this in many years, and the people that who have usually go home much earlier than now, much less don't win. We're risking first. But now I'm just like, you know what, do it, Tony. You be you, and I'm going to enjoy it, and I'm of the mind right now that I'm pretty confident it's going to work out. Yeah, he's the guy who's sitting at the Vegas blackjack table, and he gets a 19 and says, hit me. And he gets a 20 somehow. He says, Hit me. <laughs> just, I feel like at some point this should backfire on him and it's just not. Everything seems to be going his way, which is either a really good sign or we're getting an edit that's totally setting him up for a downfall here. Actually, so speaking about edits, I don't know if they're setting him up for a downfall anymore. I think it's almost like if he doesn't win, they've set themselves up poorly at this point. Like, they've set themselves up for another, like, Natalie White backlash at this point. Because I'm not sure they've developed anybody else that would be satisfying. Uh, maybe one other player that would be satisfying to a degree. He's been pretty present, and I think my use of gender pronouns yeah. probably gives that away. Yes, it does. And I'm not saying, like, Tony's, like, a front runner, like like Tyson was at this point last year, where you knew it was Tyson, you knew it was Cochran. Like, there's still at least two other legitimate, you know, potential winners, and then two other people that, you know, maybe could, or maybe just one other person. I think it's kind of a situation where there's enough smart people left in the game that Tony's victory doesn't feel secure just because they could get him Mm -hmm. out. It's not so much that they're better players, but 
if they conspire to get him out. Which they should be doing. Right, and he can't win, so someone else has to. Yeah, I just worry that he would get to the end and not win, and the show hasn't given us any of that story of why person X beats him in front of a jury. The only reason they would actually edit the season that way is because they're setting Tony up to be the new Russell Hans and a much better version of it. Thank God, because he is not nearly as grating. Yeah. And I will say like, as much as that frustrated people, uh, like <laughs> really frustrated people when Natalie won and I can be sympathetic to a degree because they did not do the job of setting her up. It didn't hurt the show. Like people came back for more Russell. So I think when they look back at their business decision of like, wow, we kind of overfocused on Russell and led to an unsatisfying winner. They were like, yeah, drugs. It worked out for us. People couldn't stop watching that guy. Yeah. If anything, it, it helped sell the legend of Russell Hans and, and also gave them reason to keep bringing him back. Well, they had already brought him back at that point when they were editing those episodes. Russell was on an island again. So they were even, they had, uh, bigger reason to sell him I just think they could have done a better job Natalie unless like truly she was giving them nothing which was not out of the realm of possibility but that's my worry like if like if Jeffro wins this season they, they screwed up big time but I don't think that's gonna happen likewise so we talked about whether this is the right time and a bit of it but is LJ the right target should Tony have been going after LJ I'd say yes and here's why I think If you look around at the members of Tony's alliance, the only legitimate threat to him, and I'm only talking about his alliance now, the only Mm -hmm. legitimate threat to beating Tony at the end, at least from the edit that we've seen, is LJ. I'd say from the edit that's true. I'd say if I was out there, I'd also be a little concerned about Wu. Like, we're not concerned about Wu because we've seen how the show presents him. But if I was there, it's like, you know, he's a relatively likable guy. He has the best chances of going on an immunity run. Although I'm starting to question whether immunity runs are even possible in this day and age of Survivor. There's so much variation. It's a variety, right? I mean, today they were picking out tiles. I say today because I just watched it today. But yeah, it was a memory game, which I, I would have crushed it. That one was actually pretty easy to hack. Us nerds uh, would totally win that one. Well, because, yeah, you just assign a letter to each, and black being K, like it is in your printer... And then there was no duplication of letters. So that was not so hard. Or CPA Tasha might have gone with the number route and done the old uh, Stephen Fishback thing. And maybe she did. She won, right? Yeah, she did. CPAs. Woo! But yeah, I mean, if LJ isn't the only person, he's certainly the biggest threat. And I would say he's the biggest threat, period, not just within his alliance. And... We were saying that when he voted out Cliff. So if you were one of the people who are criticizing Tony for not taking out the bigger threat in LJ, then you need to shut the F up right now. Regardless of being on the island or not, I just, I don't see it in Wu at all. But I will say that if I had to pick someone other than LJ, I think it's Trish. And I don't think she's as liked as Tony. And I also kind of feel like Tony can't really flip on her because she's been with him since the beginning. I think Trish is a real player, but I don't think she's a big threat to Tony at this point. Like, if he can't beat Trish, then, you know, she beat him. But she's somebody he needs at this point. I'd say the bigger threat just from, like, a different standpoint besides LJ is just the other people on the other side. And just that they could secure jury votes due to ties and friendships. And everybody gets drawn to an underdog story. Uh, we haven't really seen it play out so much in a jury lately because there's been no underdogs. Like, people have done the work and made sure to eliminate the underdogs. You don't think Monica Culpepper was an underdog? <laughs> Only in her own mind. 
I'd say the closest would be Denise, uh, and, you know, hey, she won by a big amount. I don't think that's why she won. I think she won also just on merit. But most people lately, it was like, we need to get rid of that underdog because they could beat me because they have a different story than mine that's compelling in a different way. I'm not sure Trish would have a vastly different story than than Tony does. I think you maybe could categorize Cochran's win as an underdog win. Yeah, but I think he was also the dominant player, too. Yeah. I mean, yes, I think, like, people would already be predisposed to giving Cochran the win because, I mean, just like, oh, my God, look at you, Cochran. The guy who was, you know, uh, a lobster on day three, and you're here. It's almost like giving him a participation ribbon. Like, hey, look at you making it to the finish line, buddy. Good for you. But at the same time, you know, he won some immunities, and he was there against Don and other one. <laughs> Yeah, he set himself up well at the end. So, I mean, it was more than just the underdog. Uh, so, yeah, I think LJ was the right target. In an ideal situation, I would have eliminated one of the three so that they don't now control a possible shift in power. But Tasha won immunity, and voting out Jeremiah or Spencer could have ruined his chances of using either of them in the future. Yeah, you, know, you can't talk about them. It's like, oh yeah, let's talk about it in the future. And then it's like, ah, oh, sorry, I, uh, we put all your votes on one of you, uh, on you guys tonight. So it kind of happened. It had to happen tonight if it was going to happen in the next couple votes. And I think you only do this to take out somebody like LJ. Well, what I wonder is, what is Tony's alliance now? Because I, he actually talked about burning bridges, which I thought was a good sign for his gameplay that he's actually thinking about the jury and which bridges he can safely burn and which he can't. I think he definitely burned at least one bridge tonight, but how damaging was it to his game? Yeah, I think we had a question on Twitter. How different is this move from Cass's move? She flipped on an alliance and burned everybody, and, you know, we crucified her for it. And I think it's drastically different. Like, it's, you know, on the face of it, the same. Two people voted flipping on alliances, but Tony brought somebody with him. In Wu, so he doesn't bear the entire brunt of this. So that's one. Two, I don't think he burned his bridge with Trish either, so he's good there. So he really only pissed off, in my opinion, the maximum of three, but more legitimately, two, was one of those probably more li- yeah, likely to be okay with it. Like, I think LJ, if he you know has to vote for Tony in front of a jury, I think he'll be okay with that. I think the biggest bridge he burned was probably Jeffra. Right. So that's my one thought is that I think he, he burned Jeffra. I don't know if she comes back to voting for him, assuming that she's in the jury. I kind of think Trish, I don't know that she has any other options. So I don't think he's burned bridges with her. Well, he also went to her, right? She, at the end, didn't think that this was what was happening. I think she was blindsided tonight, but well, we'll get to my conspiracy theory about this later on. Yeah. But he, I mean, for what we know, besides theories or anything, we saw him speaking with her. Like, this doesn't, you know, in retrospect, didn't come out of the blue. He tried to in- include her, so I think it will be very easy to bring her back into the fold. Is that it wasn't about her, it was about LJ. And everything I was telling you about Wu, and this is how strongly I felt about it. And since LJ won't be there to defend himself, I think that would be pretty easy. So, in terms of, like, who we flipped on, yeah, it was like two people. That's not bad math. He also did flip on Cass, but I don't think Cass can exactly throw stones about flipping. <laughs> yeah, I had the exact same thought. If she gets all indignant about it, she's the world's biggest hypocrite. 
Although I think she she did say in the episode something like, you wouldn't flip now when you've got six. That's just stupid. <laughs> Which <laughs> no, is the exact the scenario that she flipped. Yeah, but I don't think she'll hold it against him. Uh, it would be tough for her narrative to do so, although we've seen obviously worse. So to your other question, um, what's his alliance now? What do you think? Man, this could go so many ways. I think next week's going to be really fascinating just because does Tony now align with Spencer and Jeremiah? Is Tasha involved with that? Does he get, is his Wu still with him? I assume Wu is. That's the one thing that I'll say. Yeah, I would put Wu on lock. Wu is with him uh, for as long as Tony wants him to be with I him. I do wonder about Trish. I kind of feel like she might not have anywhere else to turn, and she comes back to Tony. I agree. And like I said, he did put the groundwork in, which is why it's so much better than Cass's move. She just laid people out. If she would have done something like this, but at least talked it through with Tasha and Spencer, it would have been a little bit better for her. I don't think it would have worked because they wouldn't have been amiable to it. But yeah, he didn't disregard the feelings of his alliance partner, except, you know, the alliance partners that are LJ and Jeffra. But it's easy to sell that as they were partners of convenience that were no longer convenient. Uh, I think burning Jeffra really doesn't put you in any immediate danger game-wise. So. Right, and I actually I think, I don't even know that Jeffra would bail on him if Tony came back to her and said, hey, I need you in my alliance, because what else is What's she, she going to do? do? Yeah. I mean... And this, you know, we'll puzzle some more of this out in our predictions. I mean, there's counter moves that he's put himself in danger of. And actually, from the previews, it kind of looks like he's aware of that. And we'll try to stay up on all those conversations. But it does open the door for somebody like Tasha to go with Cass and the other people feeling betrayed. And it's like, hey, if they're going to start eating themselves, how about we get rid of the next biggest threat? And I don't think that Spencer would be opposed to that. So... That's an issue, but in terms of, like, who's Tony's alliance, like, Wu is still his alliance, and I believe he would prefer that Trish is as well. After that, it's, I think, whatever works out best for him. Wherever he can get numbers, basically. Yeah, and it's possible that he might now be playing the Rob C game, right down to um, the fact that he did work to bring alliance partners with him to the, you know, to, to the jump over. You know, Rob Cesarino didn't flip by himself. He brought... Uh, Butch and the crazy knife machete wielding guy, Matthew. Tony didn't bring do it by himself. He brought Wu and by really cleverly, uh, you know, laying the groundwork for it in a way that didn't even seem necessary. Like he could just as easily lie to Wu, but it wasn't a hundred percent lie because he's a crafty dude. Yeah, let's be honest, you don't really have to work too hard to sell Wu. Oh, no, you don't, but, you know, Tony just, he did anyway. Yeah, Trish had this line this episode where she says, I'm, I might be gullible, and I'm like, oh, have you met Wu? Because (laughs) I think he's got you beat. So yeah, I think it's those two, and then yeah, if, if Spencer Jeremiah works out for him, then that's the five for now. But if it's just as easy to grab Cass and Jeffra back, then that's the five. And he picks his biggest target. Uh, for myself, I think I'd rather hold on to Spencer and Jeremiah one more vote because you've probably bought some loyalty. But that's me could not, not trusting Cass for a second, you know? At the same time, I wouldn't be targeting Jeffra for a minute. Like, she's now the GOAT. And maybe not the GOAT you take to the end, but the one that's no threat to anybody. Oh, i take Jeffra to the end. Oh, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I wouldn't work at it at the same time. I wouldn't, like, suddenly try to bring Jeffra into the fold like she's an equal alliance partner. I'd just leave her there, and if she 
stays all the way, then great. But any more thoughts on Tony before we move on? God bless the guy. He's making the season great. I, I loved he had the line where he said, looking at LJ is like looking in the mirror. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I want that mirror you have, Tony, because that's an amazing mirror. Maybe he was thinking about, you know, uh, hairline because we got a lot of shots this season not to, you know, kick the man while he's down and all his adoring fans. But I think there's a reason why LJ wore that hat a lot. Just saying. I don't care. I'll I'll take one flaw if I can have a mirror that makes me look like LJ every morning. <laughs> but I mean, it does speak to the fact that he was cognizant that LJ was a threat, and that I think LJ was a bigger threat than he was necessarily presented to us. Because we're going to talk about it a bit more that LJ probably never lived up to the hype, but that's probably because he was the ninth boot. Is that the math right? Or he he only made it to the top nine. I think on the island, he was a legitimate threat, and Tony recognized it from that perspective. But, yes, uh, no mirror would make them look like that. And also, I don't even think LJ was on the same level of Tony in terms of, you know, a game player. Okay, well, before we move on, I should uh, I should mention, because this is something you wouldn't be privy to, because I know you just watched the episode, but I did listen to LJ's exit interview with uh, Rob C. today, and he mentioned that, once they got rid of the rest of the alliance, he was planning on targeting Tony anyway. So absolutely, turns out probably the right move, Tony. You can debate the timing, but you add more risk the longer you wait. And so, I'm ninety percent sold that this was the right move for Tony at the right time. Yeah, one of the reasons why I think that is because it makes me a little bit nervous. And so far, a lot of the things that Tony has done to make me nervous turned out to be absolutely right. So let's just ride that feeling. If we had been Tony fans the whole season long, like if we started out, you know, week one, like, yes, we are on board Team Tony. This is going to be great. How much of a roller coaster of emotions would this season have been for us? Well, I mean, I'm there a bit because he's my only fantasy player, but I almost think we would be insufferable, like we would just be the Tony fanboy podcast or something. But I think that skepticism initially is giving us some measure of objectivity, hopefully. But yes, Trish, I'm I'm on board. She was not only, you know, the second most interesting player this week, I think she has been this season, and almost stealthily. But stealth is an important thing in Survivor. Well, here's how I want to frame this, because our friend Adam B. described this as best you can. He says... Tony is big moves. Trish is best moves. Trish has made probably two or three moves, depending on how you categorize a move. She flipped on Cliff. She brought in Cass. And she might have, here's my conspiracy theory. She might have let Tony vote out LJ last night. I think maybe she knew it was coming, but just to seem like she stayed loyal to LJ was like, eh, I can still vote with them and it'll be fine. We didn't see a Trish reaction shot. It might be that she wasn't totally shocked. But again, that's just my wacky conspiracy theory. I can see where you get that conspiracy theory, and that would be awesome. And if that's true, I they need to have Trish say that next episode. I mean, it's fine not to leave it out of this. You need to have some kind of level of surprise. Although, you know, real talk, there was no surprise that LJ was getting voted out by the end of this episode. As soon as he said, I feel comfortable, I was like, oh, it's like three minutes into the episode, and now I know who's gone. <laughs> Yeah, there was just so many red flags throughout that, I mean, it's surprising from a overall game perspective, you know, going into tonight's episode, and I don't think anybody was like, oh, LJ's on the hot seat. But by the time the votes were cast, it was already fait accompli. Like, obviously, LJ's going home. I mean, the the whole hashtag stood up was just another, you know, underlying the point that, you know, sorry, LJ, this is not your week. 
That, that that was the Aris doing yoga by himself moment of the episode. It really was. And here's the thing: like it wasn't even a dumb thing for LJ to do. It's just you know that's what nope. the the producers were putting in there for our benefit to make it feel like LJ screwed himself. Yeah, but. totally defensible to not go talk to Tasha. Although Tasha, if you're listening, I would never stand you up. <laughs> um, I think it gets down to the different ways to play Survivor and the different things that are available to people to play Survivor. Somebody like Trish can't make the big moves that Tony has because people won't give her that kind of room to do that. Uh, people will only hand over that level of control to a certain type of player. And let's be real here, that certain type of player is usually male. The exceptions tend to be seasons that divide the genders. Or I should say the sexes, because gender is a construct, blah, blah. <laughs> Whereas Tony can't play under the radar as much. I mean, LJ was trying. <laughs> Didn't work out. Like, uh, Tony doesn't get to make as many... Uh, quieter moves as Trish does because he's going to be a target for no other reason than his build. Uh, even though, like, when's the last big bulky guy to ever win Survivor? Oh, wait, there's never been one. I, I mean, I guess if you're stretching, you say it's JT or it's Tom Westman, but those have been a while. Yeah, and, you know, their build is slightly different, right? It was uh, exactly. sneaky real strength instead yeah. of built up. Tony's pretty massively jacked. Yeah. Like, even now, I mean, now, he's, he's as not as big guy. as he used to be, but, yeah, he's the biggest guy out there by far. So that would be one respect, but I do think that absolutely Trish has been making great moves that don't get the attention that Tony moves make. Like, and not just you know, flipping on Cliff, but she engineered the entire alliance that made it possible. Like, that was her. And she built, you know, the bonds that happened. So, you know, bully for her. And her instinct tonight that we shouldn't flip now is a good one for her. Right, exactly. That's the thing is it might not, I like I said, I'm pretty sold on it being a good move for Tony. But I think sticking with the original alliance was probably a good move for Trish. So I still have the conspiracy theory that she was cool with it, but at the same time, either way it worked out would have been fine for Trish. I like your theory. I, I don't buy into it myself. I think, you know, the conversation probably went close to as presented, but I don't think it's a problem for her that LJ was voted out. Like, and so where I think it would feed the conspiracy theory is that she didn't bring that information back. When Tony was starting to talk about that stuff with her, she didn't turn around to the best of our knowledge. And given the fact that LJ was completely unaware, I think we can say that she didn't. Oh, I can totally confirm because LJ in his exit interview said that Trish never told him and he was shocked by that when he watched the episode. Yeah, but I think it's part of her game. She's controlling the information that's useful for her and deciding when it's useful. And if something went down that, you know, did get rid of LJ, she's still in fine. She's got a final three deal with uh, Tony and Wu. But you know what? She also has a final three deal with Jeffra and LJ. And I don't think she had picked which side she wanted because it didn't matter. Yeah. Either side, like whatever side worked out for her is the side that she was on. It's this Kim Spradlin move. Like, yeah, let's or, make a final five and I'm in both of your final threes. Yeah, nobody's coming after me and I'm doing what's best for me. So I don't think she needed to pick a side. I don't think she has now. I think she still has moves that, you know, left or at least avenues left that don't include Tony. Uh, she's in a great spot. This kind of leads into my next question. Where does Trish go from here? Because just like Tony, I feel like she's got 
multiple directions she can go. I kind of feel like the most likely scenario is that she does realign with Tony. But I think, just judging from what we've seen, I think she's solidly capable of getting Cass and Jeffra. But she's going to need more than that. I think she's solidly capable of getting Tasha, too. Like, I think people legit like her. And we were just fooled because Lindsay didn't like her. But, like, Sarah liked her. Sarah didn't want to, like, th- threw away her game when, you know, people wouldn't want to vote out Trish. Uh, secret scenes have shown that she does yoga with people in the mornings, and they love it. Or not yoga, Pilates is her deal, right? Yeah, that's the one. I think she's been making, like, really strong social bonds, and I think her next move is just to be open. She can sit back for a bit and let some of the dust settle because no matter which way it settles, she should have options. I actually, I kind of wonder too if she maybe played up her awfulness at the challenges. I don't think that, what did she go out on like the second color in the challenge? Yeah, I kind of wonder if that was one of those, like, oh, guys, I'm so hopeless in challenges. I'm not a threat. I actually did have that thought just because, like, anybody going out at that moment. It's like, oh, for real? You couldn't remember that? And then she didn't seem embarrassed by it or anything. She was like, ah, shucks. Yeah, the aw shucks move. I kind of feel like, didn't Wu go out at the same time, though? I think he went one more round later. Because, yeah, what it was is uh, Probst was like, either you just won, Trish, or you're the first one eliminated. Yeah, and then she gives the aw shucks, which is like, oh, look how cute I am. I, I'm i not a threat in immunity challenges. And then Wu goes out on the next color, and I'm like, no, nah, I think that's legit. I don't think yeah. Wu was throwing it. <laughs> no, I, I mean, and also just Wu has not had a lot of success at throwing challenges. Yeah, I think she's been playing a really strong social game. Uh, we didn't talk about it last week, but when... Her side lost the reward challenge. Her initial instinct was like, congratulations, you guys. And it seemed genuine enough. Genuine enough to make people feel like it was. Like, I think she's forming bonds, and she might be as solid a lock as there is to make the final three at this point. I don't know. The one, like, I think the one thing that would get uh, in her way of doing that is if Tasha, Jeremiah, and Spencer, like, just totally split through the middle, like JT, Taj, and Steven. I don't know. There, there's just way too many permutations that could take place next week. I kind of feel like she I can't She could go home make... next week. What do I know about this season? <laughs> That's true. There's a lot of ways this could go down, and I can see her being voted out next week. I don't think she will, but there's a possibility that it works out that way. I think she's a high probability for the final three with Tony. Mm-hmm. All right, so somebody went home last night. So, I guess LJ wasn't the number one draft pick after all. I mean, he's not as terrible a number one draft pick as, say, Garrett. No. (laughs) Uh, Or even Sarah. Um, We overvalued him, didn't we? No, I'm going to disagree with you. Because I think that LJ was playing the the under-the-radar game intentionally. Which is weird, because you don't picture a guy who looks like that playing the the under-the-radar game. But I think that's what he was doing. Yeah, and I think that's legit, because one of the reasons why I was scared off from picking LJ uh, was that type is typically a target. So I can understand why he'd want to do that. And I can also see that for LJ, it made sense to sit back and trust in your alliance tonight. Like, trusting in the alliance was the right move for everybody but Tony. Asterix, maybe even Tony. But I raised this, raised this point last week a lot. Even last week, both of you and I put him number two in our power rankings, and I'll also, I'll defend that in a second, too. 
But it was like, why were we continuing to do that? He really hadn't given us much, and we were still just convinced that he might have even had the most likely chance of winning, and now we realize that wasn't true. I, I kind of disagree. I, I, my justification for it last week was, if Tony gets knocked out, I think LJ assumes the throne, basically. And I still think that was true. Yeah, I think... Like, that's why I'm okay that we had him at number two. I think he was the number two, which is why Tony made sure to get rid of him. But just going on the edit, we were inferring a lot of stuff that wasn't there. And the reason why a lot of that stuff wasn't there is because, you know, he doesn't last to the end game. But we didn't move off of those thoughts based on what the show was giving us because he just felt right. And he's gone. And we're not going to see him again, are we? Uh, no, he is not compelling enough to come back. I, I think if you're looking at people coming back from this season, Tony is a lock. I think for some reason we're getting a lot of Spencer, which mm-hmm. I don't know if I see Spencer as a returnee. It'd have to be a specific scenario. He's on the list. I think a few other people have to, to, you know, not work out or turn it down, but you know, he fills a role. I think they're setting us up to have Cass back, which, again, yeah. seems a little forced, but I, it's a demographic thing. Cass is more likely to come back just because they have trouble finding older women for this game. Well, it's also a role thing. Like, if they're going to do villains, there's fewer and fewer villainous players in the most recent seasons of Survivor because we view the game differently, but she certainly qualifies. Well, and I think they also tend to... Like, Malcolm has said that in his first season, he tried to be as villainous as possible, but they gave him this glowing edit because they wanted people to love him since he was going to come back immediately. Yeah, and also because he was such, like, his story immediately got turned into an underdog one, even without an edit. Like, he was, you know, came up from a tribe of two. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. Like, LJ was just not as compelling as we want him to be. I think, yeah, he was fine as a player. History has shown that that sort of way of playing can work. But even there, he clearly didn't form enough social bonds to protect himself from getting completely snowed over. Like, Tony talked about this move with everybody but, like, three people, and LJ had no idea. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who didn't know, and it was basically Jeffra, LJ, and Cass. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think Tony talked about it with Tasha, but word got to her. Yeah, I mean, she clearly steered her vote that way, so... Yeah, LJ was completely unaware it was happening. Like, if he had an idol, he would have gone home with an idol tonight. Like, there's no doubt. So, that's a, that's a strike against him. Does it mean that he sucked? No, a lot of times great players get taken out here because other great players recognize it. But I do think we hung on to the notion probably a little too long that he was something that we weren't quite getting because... Nobody else seemed to be filling that void. Yeah, he just, like I said, he wasn't as compelling a character. He's not going to come back. Although I did love Probst asking him, in your line of work, is loyalty important? I'm like, the horse's loyalty? Isn't he a horse trainer? (laughs) He has to be loyal to those horses. Or do the horses have to be loyal to him? Like, they can't be trained by other horse trainers? I don't know. Horses are stupid. He gives them the sugar cubes in a way that makes him makes them very loyal. They understand. They look him in the eyes, but only one eye at a time. At a time, exactly, unless they keep turning their head. Oh, horse jokes. Come for the survivor chat. Stay for the horse and frozen jokes. So let's move on to some power rankings. Actually, you know what? We should 
briefly hit on the zero percent club because you have an idea that you would like to submit. And I think I'm a second your motion here. Yeah. So uh, every week we've been talking about who has zero chance to win and uh, we're not going to do that anymore. Uh, and it's not because I'm backing out because I've been so terrible at it in that there are three people I think have a really good chance of winning, and I have two of them in the 0% club. Uh, it's more that we're running out of people at this point. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're getting too late in the season, and it's it's kind of like, I, although, as I've said before, the 0% club, your odds are still really good because there's only one winner in a season. But I'd say your odds are far better than mine at this point. That is very, very true. But yeah, like if I'm just looking at my list and who's left, um, who I haven't added yet is uh, Spencer and Tasha. Oh, and Jeffra, I never got around to putting her in. So, you know, if we're gonna keep doing it, I'd be like, eh, her, and then everybody, because you know, we never there were people who left that I never even entered in. So it was a fun little bit. It gave us a chance to talk about people and the way we perceive success in Survivor, but. We got more things to talk about as we get through the home stretch. Zero percent club, sentenced to death. <laughs> uh, one quick note that we uh, didn't touch on is just because uh, I think this has been something we've talked about in the past, and I do think it's a good opportunity to present it tonight. Is uh, reward challenges? Why are they important? Well, first of all, all hail the reward challenge because we've missed it with the Redemption Island stuff, and I kind of wonder in watching this episode because I was I was actually thinking it as I was watching if we didn't have the reward challenges this season is Tony able to flip those other guys at this vote. I mean, I, I feel like obviously they're going to be ready and willing no matter what, but is he going to have the opportunity to have time alone with them to honestly and openly talk about what his potential plans are? I don't think this vote, he could have done it. Like there just wouldn't have been a chance. Everybody would be around. It's the kind of thing where you just, you need some privacy and privacy that doesn't arouse the suspicion of others. But, yeah, and that's, we, I think you hit upon it even stronger last season. But, hey, we have people listening to us that never even listened last season. You can steal my thunder. No, no, I'm fully crediting you. <laughs> On the litany of things we said why Redemption Island sucks is that this is a dimension of the game that they eliminate. And this episode was just such a great test case of, like, that's important stuff. And, here, and also, the reward challenge itself was far more interesting than the immunity challenge. It was a fun little game. It was something that I haven't seen in Survivor before. I mean, it's a variation of things they always do, but they put enough of a new twist that I was kind of, it was kind of fun. I thought you were going to suggest that watching three dudes shower was the fun part for you. Yeah, you know, it worked out for us because it's, Spencer was the exact right person for Tony to be able to talk to this about. But I wonder if the producers were like, damn it. Why couldn't it be <laughs> Jeffra in the shower? You know, why couldn't it have been Morgan last week? Yeah. Right. Why couldn't it be Tasha? Well, we'll get to Spencer in a second. Let's do it. Let's get into the power rankings. Let's move to the point where we'll talk about him because actually we're, we're going to bring him up in the power rankings. There's Spoiler We're going to rank a top five and there's just only so many people left. I think our lists are going to be pretty similar this week. No, I thought that last week and they were totally off. But That's I think we're so wrong. Oh, Yeah. Actually, I'd have to go back and look. I was probably really, really wrong. Well, I mean, we were equally wrong on one guy, but again, I don't think we were. I think at that point in the game, LJ was, but, uh, I do remember you only having Spencer at five and, well, we'll see where we're at. Where they're at right now, mixed with how well we think they'll do and yada yada edit stuff. Let's start with, uh, number five though. Let's work our way up to the top. All right. Who you got? I'm going to go with Cass here. 
All right. I do not have Cass on my list. So I don't blame you. you. It's a very weak number five. Yeah, I mean, as is mine. But uh, do you have a reason for Cass over other weak players? Sort of process of elimination. It's not Jeremiah. It's not Jeffra. So, Cass. Yeah, I mean, I think the argument for Cass, and I didn't have her, obviously, is uh, she's a bigger character than the other people that aren't. But I actually do have Jeremiah, number five, just because Oof, that's a of reach. his position. I think he was able to be around when the tides turned. And that's it, kind of how it's been for Jeremiah this season. He's been floating and dodging bullets. And I don't know if there's any reason to believe that that's not going to continue for few more weeks and when i was looking at the other people i think they're more prone to being in danger in the next couple of weeks jeremiah is a slightly prettier version of cowboy rick uh and as a slightly more talkative version as well uh (laughs) very slightly but yes so yeah i mean whatever it's number five he voted the right way tonight and Cass did not that's all i got (laughs) fair enough uh number four i got woo I had him, I think, number five last week, and he's still on the right side of numbers, whichever way they go. He's <laughs> as a result of being completely snowed over, but, you know, it could have been Tony targeting him this week, and it wasn't. I still can't put him on my list. I, I have so little respect for Wu. Every week I watch him, I do the Dennis Green quote. He was who I thought he was. <laughs> He's such a surfer, dude. He really is. I mean... Yeah, God bless him. He knows who he is. You be you, Wu. That's right. Um, and someone suggested that uh, the previews next week show him falling out of a tree. And uh, if the internet does not make a gif of little coins spouting out of him like he's Sonic the Hedgehog, or rings flying out of him like he's Sonic the Hedgehog then the internet has just failed us, and I totally agree with that. All right, so my number four, though, I have Tasha, and that's only because of who my number three is. Yeah, see, I don't have Tasha on my list at all, and here's the thing. I think if she didn't win immunity, she would have left this week. So that's why I can't rank her anywhere. I think she, of all the players left in the game that aren't named Jeffra, uh, she has the least amount of power in my mind. And some of it's just circumstantial. If she had been on that reward challenge instead of Jeremiah, then I'd probably flip them. But, you know, she wasn't. All right. So, who's yours? Uh, my number three is... No, I, yeah, so I four was Wu, so that's where we're at. Now we go to the next tier of three. Uh, this is where I put Trish. Okay. Well, you slightly undervalued Trish compared to me, because I put Spencer here. And my reasoning is he sold himself pretty perfectly as a pawn to King Tony. He's got an immunity idol, which Uh can only help. Uh, We have to discuss in a second his immunity idol thing, though. Well, I have Spencer at number two, so we'll, we'll, this is our Spencer conversation top. And then, and then we'll talk, go on to Trish, where I'm guessing you have her at number two. Although, as soon as I, uh, I was writing down my rankings of who I've got where, as soon as I wrote Spencer's name, I wrote, Started from the bottom, now we're here. Just (laughs) as a shout out to you Canadians. You love your Drake, from what I hear. It's not completely untrue. All the other popular Canadian ones, most Canadians are like, ah, but yeah, I think uh, there's a bigger love for Drake than dislike. Although, is he even going to be cheering for Toronto when they play certain teams? Like, God, the biggest bandwagon fan of all time. He really is kind of your Justin Bieber. Well, I guess Justin Bieber's yours too, isn't he? No, Justin Bieber would be our Justin Bieber. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, anyway, moving on. We we really shouldn't digress into. <laughs> Bizarre. Nah, that's what this podcast is now. 
Yeah, pretty much. Survivor and then whatever loose tangent we can relate it to. Uh, yeah, so you had Trish over, or, or you had Spencer over Trish, or lower than Trish. I had the opposite. Okay, so Spencer's idol. Uh, let's briefly talk about this. Mm-hmm. Should he have played it this week? I mean, obviously the answer in retrospect is no, but yeah, not knowing that, not knowing that it would work out, what should he have done? One, you know, caveat is maybe he got greater assurances, not just from Tony, but from Wu as well, which case that could put you in a more comfortable position. But I'd say the other one is if this doesn't work out, he's kind of screwed. So it's almost like you have to put your faith in this moment because then the idol could actually propel him to victory as opposed to just three more days. Like if he needed to play his idol tonight, then his game is probably close to being over anyway. He needed this window that just opened up to be accurate. This is what he was waiting for to happen. So I think at that point you roll the dice. Uh, that's why I, I don't always look upon people who got voted out with idols in their pockets poorly. I think sometimes you just have to hope that it works out, because if not, then the idol wasn't that useful to you anyway. I mean, I've heard that a similar argument to that before. I don't know how justified it is, though, because I kind of feel like we say all the time that three more days in the game could lead to a totally different outcome for you. So is it really that it's a good idea to just put all your faith in, oh, this will work out, and if if it didn't work out, I'm screwed anyway? Because maybe not. Maybe it doesn't work out, but you played your idol, and then next week it does work out because you totally shifted the game somehow in ways that you didn't anticipate. Oh, no, I mean, I think it could absolutely be that you should. I'm just presenting the argument why you wouldn't. I don't know which way I fall on that, and I think at this point maybe I defer to the people that are there. Well, here's one other question that I have because I think – if this is his mindset, I think this makes it totally justified. If it's possible, and we don't know that it is, but if it's possible that in a vote split, you can play your idol on a tiebreaker vote, then it's totally justified. Yeah, I don't think it is. But again, we we have no confirmation that it's not, but I mean, it's almost like they can't confirm a negative. They could only show us that it is. Right. And so it's never been explicitly stated, which makes me think it might be possible. But if it's clearly not, then this was a bit too risky of a move for me. I wouldn't have kept the idol. It's absolutely a move with a ton of risk. I just wonder if you're out there and you're getting a real sense of it. Maybe, you know, you can sense the mood. Like I said, maybe he was picking up something from Wu. And you know what? That that might be the thing because I, I feel like I'd be more willing to trust Wu just because I don't think Wu can outwit me. Yeah. So then maybe then you make a calculated risk. Because now you've, you know, you're there now. The split is happening in front of your very eyes, and now you can use this as a tool to move you forward. Whereas if he, if he needed his idol tonight, then the split didn't happen, and maybe isn't going to happen. Because now Jeremiah goes home, those six still stayed together. Like what avenues still are open up for him? So like I can justify it. Whether it's the right move, I mean, like I said. Yes, it turns out it was. Whether it would always be the right move, I don't know. And maybe it's just totally situational, and you just have to trust your your social instincts of what you're getting out there that obviously we can't. So Spencer, the total nerd, has social instincts, you're saying? Yeah, he's still there, you know? I mean, <laughs> we'll see. I wouldn't, you know, from what we've seen, I wouldn't rank him as the top social player. And a uh, little too fist pumpy at Tribal Council tonight. Yes, uh, he was. And probably uh, when 
you know, winning the reward may be a bit much more, but I think you get a little more rope when you get excited about winning a reward. And also, what is he? He's like 21, mm-hmm. right? Come on. We would have done the same thing if we were 21. Maybe not me, because, you know, I wasn't a douchebag. Now, uh, <laughs> now, to get to my point of why I have him ahead of Trish, I think it's just probably what we're basing our ranking on. It's a amorphous thing where we decide what's more important. Trish is playing the better game than Spencer. So if that's what you put her over at number two, can't argue it for a second. If that was what was my only basis for uh, rankings, then I would do so as well. And it's very close to them. Mine is based on edit. I think Spencer is right now being presented as the other option for the viewer in a way that Trish isn't. I think Trish is, I think she has a very legitimate chance of winning, but I think it's more the, the observant viewer needs to pick up on that. They're not feeding that to us. Right. They're feeding Spencer as a legit option, like the only other legit option from an edit standpoint than Tony. And that's why I have him at number two. Right. And I, I think I kind of hit on it earlier, but it's, we're getting a disproportionate amount of Spencer considering mm-hmm. that he doesn't really have the confessionals that justify him getting this much airtime. So it sort of makes you wonder, well, why is he getting so much airtime since he's fine, but there's nothing that stands out about him in any way. He's not super witty in his confessionals. He's not super insightful and in a way, he also kind of oversells his game because he's talking about how he, you know, really wants to try to work some angles and find some cracks in this this alliance and blah, blah, blah. He gets to the reward with Tony, and Tony's the one who brings up, hey, let's talk strategy. And Spencer's like, oh, oh okay, yeah, sure. I, I think he's overselling his own game. He perceives his own game differently than others. Well, and obviously that's true of everybody. Everybody's the hero of their own story, but... Tony especially. Uh, that was the whole point I was making about him last week. It's like his confessionals aren't good enough to justify their ubiquity. So that's why I figured that he should be ranked highly, because maybe he's getting a winner at it and we just can't accept it because he doesn't feel like a winner just yet. And maybe he will, right? Maybe the game moves for him. As to the point where he wasn't being proactive... It's hard to be more proactive than Tony, right? Like, it's maybe he was waiting for a second, right? Like, hey, let me get out of the shower first. Uh, maybe we took it, we get to the massage table and Tony's like, no, 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 let's do this now. That'd be an awkward conversation to have over the massage, but it does strike me. Like, that was the one defense that I had for him, for Spencer is, okay, maybe it just came up from Tony first because that's Tony. He's, he's going to say something first. Yeah, absolutely. So, but I don't disagree. I don't think he's, like, I'm not fully on board Team Spencer. I like him. I think it's, he's been good. For his confessionals, they're not witty. He's no John Cochran. Um no, he is not the Cochran that doesn't suck. <laughs> not so far. <laughs> and honestly, how do you beat that? Even if you win, you're just tied. I guess you're 1-0 <laughs> and he's 1-1. One one. But he's a reliable narrator. Like, he can at least relate the information that's going on in short bites of inf- you know of time. And also because his story has been different from other people's story. Like he made, so it could just be that he's better at narrating what's going on than say Tasha or Cass was. And because he's been involved in almost every vote out, either as a potential victim or as somebody that's doing it, they had to talk to him. So you have Spencer as number two in the power rankings because of his brevity. He is good at summarizing. Ergo, he's number two in this game. And quantity of the brevity, I would say. Uh, and then number one, we both have Tony, no surprise there. 
yeah, I mean, there's not really anything to add about Tony. If you don't have Tony at number one in your rankings, it's because you're pissed that LJ went home, because there's no <laughs> other explanation. Yeah, I mean, we've devoted enough time to Tony. There's clear reasons why he's number one. I mean, it's it's a risky number one. There's oh, yeah. definitely some threats to his game, but he's number one. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to win. I think there's a very good chance that he will. But no, there's legit other winners in this whole... You know, house of cards could come tumbling down any minute, but it's his house of cards so far. Um, listener feedback. We got some. We did. Our good buddy XL Pelican on Twitter hit us with this one. When should Spencer turn on Tasha, given that she's so popular with the others? I'm going to take this one first. Why are we thinking that Spencer gets to decide that? I, I'm, I'm answering a question with a question. I'm like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Socrates, isn't he? Anyway. Um, no, or, or Socrates. I'm like Socrates. How about that? Yeah, there's a couple of things that we have to decide if we accept the premise of. You're, you raise the one as if it maybe it's not Spencer's decision whatsoever. And I think that's actually a pretty good point. I'm not sure that it will be. I'm also not sure she's that popular. Do you? Um, she's huge among the CPA crowd. I will tell you that. Yeah, but like amongst the crowd, like amongst the people there like i don't think she's disliked but at the same time she's not so liked that lj felt comfortable going to talk with her yeah and i i think you're right i think we kind of overvalue how well liked she is out there in the same way that we undervalued how liked trish is just because she seems really likable when we see her in confessionals she seems like a nice enough person Trish seemed mildly obnoxious, and then we had Lindsay telling us that she was obnoxious, so we were like, ooh, yeah, Trish is probably not very likable. Yeah, and, like, I'm I'm not totally going to sell out Pelican here. Like, I do think people like Tasha. I like Tasha. Certainly, it seemed like Sarah and Morgan did. And the Morgan one, you have to get post-taste. Like, that wasn't so much on the show, because they didn't show her talking to people. But, yeah, I don't know if she's built social bonds with Tony or Woohoo. Uh, I guess maybe the danger then is there are people on the jury currently who did get along with her. Now, when should he turn on her? I don't think he needs to. If it works out that she gets voted out, then, you know, I wouldn't risk a lot of capital to save her. But if she doesn't go anywhere, I'd be fine going into a final three with her and putting my record up against hers, if I was Spencer. Yeah, for the most part, I agree. I mean, if there's other options, I don't know that she'd be option number one. For anybody, I would recommend taking Jeffra to yep. the end. I don't know, and Cass as well. Absolutely. So I, I think if those options are available to you, you don't bring Tasha to the end. Agreed 100%. But at the same time, like there's risk with Cass that there might not be with Tasha, right? Right, exactly. Not, not risk jury risk. It's risk you know, putting your game in her hands before you get to the jury. Right. It's, it's risk of you getting to the final three if you align with Cass. But yeah, I don't think Tash is a player you need to run away from, like, oh, I couldn't beat her in front of a jury. Like, I think she's beatable. It'd just be a matter of what your record is stacked against hers. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's going to be tough if it, if it is either Spencer or Tasha in front of a jury. It's going to be tough to sell their moves very well unless there's stuff upcoming yeah. that's just really mind-blowing. Well, there'd have to be, right? For them to get there, there's going to be some moves. They're not there yet. Other than, you know, we persevered, right? And which is compelling enough to, you know, at this point, but there needs to be something more. And the only way that they get there is if there's more. Uh, and the final person that they'd want to be on a jury with, and they probably would be, is Jeremiah, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Which is why Jeremiah, I think, has emerged as Spencer's number two in a way that Tasha isn't, which might also kind of undercut the idea that Tasha's super popular. Like, 
Jeremiah is Spencer's pawn, not Tasha's. But if Tasha and or actually and Spencer were going to make it to the end together, I feel like one of them has to have that Tyler Perry idol that's out there. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, you know, let's let's puzzle that out because that brings us to the final segment of the show and predictions. And I don't, I don't know, man. And not just because we never know or rarely ever. I nailed that Morgan pick. <laughs> I nailed that Morgan is our drop for the yeah, week. yeah. I, sh- I shouldn't have left it. Up. I should have left a gap. And then, man, there's and not just because we've been so wrong this season and it's you know so wonderfully surprised us. It's just there's so many ways it can go from here. You know what? I'm going to make one prediction that I'm 100% confident in. <laughs> My prediction is that I'm going to make a fake Tyler Perry account on Twitter and just keep sending probes different at messages suggesting changes for Survivor. Because <laughs> apparently that's a thing that you can do if you're Tyler Perry. Well, and I just want him to be convinced. But, well, you know, let's give him some benefit of the doubt. I think it was texting, not at reply. So probes is uh, You know what? Available. Tyler Perry's moving up in the world. He's He's past the text game he's moved on to his twitter yeah one thing about the tyra perry idol you know he kidded around like maybe it'll never be found because we're pretty deep into the season but clearly it will be found because if it wasn't they just pretend like they didn't have it they would have yeah, edited out all messages of or all mention of it in the show and probes wouldn't have hyped it beforehand so it's gonna turn up but can we get to the fireworks factory already yeah i kind of feel like the longer it stays hidden the less exciting it is. Like, I I feel like it can shift a lot more votes the earlier you find it, and it's not found, which is kind of a letdown. So, yeah, what can happen next week? Who's going home? And we we talked about some of this, you know, at the beginning of the show, that a sub-alliance could form, you know, from the bottom and take out Tony, and he's left himself vulnerable. But I kind of don't think that's going to happen. And if I had to pick somebody, and apparently, you know, we have to pick somebody, I'm just going to say Tasha. I think she was destined to go home tonight. I think if she doesn't win, Tony's going to want a blood sacrifice from his new friends. They don't get to keep old friends. Yeah. Uh, and that's my pick. Okay. And I like your justification. My pick was a whole lot of question marks <laughs> followed followed by the word Jeffra and then some more question marks because I I don't know this could go 40 different ways next week uh not even not even that there's 40 people in the game but there's so many different alliances that could take hold and I don't know I'm giving a Jeffra answer and then just shrugging cuz Yeah I mean I the reason why I say Jeffra is just to finish the business they started this week uh, the reason why I don't say Jeffra is just she's not business you need to finish. Uh, no. which is why if Tasha does win, my pick is Cass. In the same kind of logic, right? She was the other person left hanging this week and she's the dangerous one of the two. Is she though? Uh, compared to Jeffra, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the low bar. <laughs> Alright, so let's wrap some things up. Uh, we already mentioned that XL Pelican found us on Twitter and you can do that too. We're Purple Rock Pod on Twitter. If you want to send us an email, you can find us per- at purplerockpodcast at gmail.com. Where else can they find us, Andy? Uh, we do this podcast over Skype, which you can't tell because it sounds so great. But, it's uh, flawless. <laughs> we like getting a uh, voicemail from you guys. Sometimes it's good to put a voice to the name and you can get a little bit more time and ask a little bit more in-depth questions. So if you'd like to do that, uh, find us on Skype at JR Purple Rock and uh, leave a message. 
And you can follow us on WordPress. That's where we uh, post the podcast every week. Purple Rock Podcast dot WordPress dot com. Um, and there's even written content up there now and maybe in the future. Yeah, every once in a while when we decide to stop being lazy, we post things up there. Yeah, so look for our deep uh, post comparing survivors to their frozen counterparts. No, no, no. No, not this week. Although, who's the Elsa? No, no, I'm just kidding. We're moving on. Uh, yeah, and I should mention that if you want to find me personally on Twitter, I'm at Drake. <laughs> <laughs> I started from the bottom, now I'm here. No new friends. No. Okay, so... Um, any other me- methods they can use to contact us? Smoke signals, perhaps? Uh, carrier pigeon. Ravens, sure. ravens. Ravens! Yes. Let's work in some more Game of Thrones alienating references. Uh, if you don't know Game of Thrones, then stay off the internet. Yeah, that's true. I'm looking forward to next week. Uh, like we said, we have no idea what's gonna happen and that's awesome. Uh, and it's yeah. great to have a front runner like Tony because he could go at any time. I feel like if next week is not bananas, I'm going to be totally let down. And it's hard to figure. Like, the the Morgan one was obvious. That one's always going to not be bananas. But there's there's no new uh, norm yet. It, at the very least, all it could do is establish the new norm, and that in itself will be informative. So hopefully we'll be here, and we'll have some smart things to say about it. And if not, we'll just talk about Frozen some more. So thank you for listening. And hit me with the theme music. 